The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. Okay, if you have your Bible, you open to Psalm 121. And it's also, it's Psalm. When you're talking about one, it's Psalm 121. We say Psalms because we talk about all of them, but then we say Psalms 121. That's not how, that's not how it is. We do the same thing with Revelation. We're in a book, we're reading from Revelations 120. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's just one. It's the Revelation. It's just one, not Revelations. Um, so we're in Psalm 121. You wouldn't say like, turn to Songs 121, would you? Songs? No. Psalm. I don't know why that bothers me so much, but it's, uh, it's Psalm 121. Uh, we have been reading the Bible in six months since January, and the sermon series we've kind of been in is just uh, allowing the Lord to speak to all of us as we're walking through the scriptures at a kind of a fast pace. So I know that a lot of people set out to join us in this endeavor and have fallen behind. That is not a failure. The goal of the series was to provoke people to just start reading their Bibles actively and aggressively. And so if you've started doing that, just go ahead and pat yourself on the back right there. Um, because God wants you to live for a very long time and he wants you to know him better and better. And so you're gonna keep making passes through this book. It's always funny to me when I'm trying to reach out to somebody and I'm sharing my faith with them and I say something about the scriptures and they go, oh yeah, yeah, I read the Bible. Like that's not how that works <laughs> at all. Uh, so we just keep reading it and reading it and reading it, amen? And uh, so we just finished through the Psalms and we're now in the Proverbs. And so of all of the 150 Psalms, I'm asking the Lord, okay, where do you wanna speak and uh, what, what are you saying? And so he like really powerfully directed me to Psalm 121. It's only eight verses. And so we're just gonna hang out there this morning. And uh, hopefully this is a, a word for you and the Holy Spirit's uh, directing my attention for all of our benefit. Uh, we just passed halfway through the six months. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Psalm 121. Let's read it and then uh, we'll get started. It's eight verses. Here we go. I lift up... My eyes to the mountains. This is the NIV. Usually I read the ESV. This is NIV. Lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Lord, we thank you for your word that's been read in our hearing. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken, that these words have been recorded and preserved and cherished by your people throughout the centuries, that they're available to us and that they are alive. God, when we open your word, when we read and we listen, your Holy Spirit is speaking and stirring and transforming. And God, we want, we want your 
transformation to take place in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, and in our world. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you, speak to us. Lord, show us if there is any way in which we are not seeing and knowing and experiencing you as our help and our watcher and our keeper and our guardian. And God, I pray that you would deepen our faith, that we would come to know you this way, that we would trust you, that we would walk in boldness following your voice, God, that we would come to experience more and more of your nearness and your power. And Lord, that you would give us eyes for this life and the life to come that would result in faithful endurance. Lord, I pray for any person in my hearing that does not know you, whose spirit is not yet alive and doesn't know what they don't know. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak, that you would draw them by name, and that you would bring them to life through faith in the Son of God. Lord, you are the miracle worker, and so we're asking you to do this even today. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Uh, anybody in the house enjoy traveling? Where's my travel people? You guys, you get a trip and you're like, woohoo, getting excited. Uh, how many of you like loathe traveling? You're like, let's let me stay put. Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. This is a good thing too. Go ahead, raise your hand. All right. Now, if you're, if uh, I feel bad if any of you are like a married couple and one of you raised your hand for one and one of you, no, you just go. You just go. It'll be fine. Sorry. <clears throat> so um, I love traveling. I get excited when I get to go anywhere new. I did a funeral in Minnesota. I was like, yay, Minnesota. Never been there. It was June, <clears throat> so it wasn't like it was December or anything. Uh, but I just get excited to go places I've never been, so I, I love traveling. And so I, I usually don't get like fearful about traveling. Usually I'm just like excited and anticipating fun things. And so <clears throat> I don't get nervous. Some of the people who don't like to travel, it's because traveling is terrifying to you. And um, maybe the Lord's going to speak to you through Psalm uh, 121. But um, Psalm 121 is one of the songs of ascent. It was a set, subset of the Psalms that, that Jewish pilgrims would sing on their way to Jerusalem multiple times a year for the feasts that would be celebrated at the temple. And so this was like the little songbook for the road. So, you know, you go on a, on a little cross-country road trip and you make your little mixtape or your CD or your playlist and you plug it in, you got your jams. And then, you know, one of those songs comes on and it takes you back. Remember? Remember that you guys have that happen? Still happens to us. And this was kind of like the playlist for the Israelites making their pilgrimage. But these were, um, these were arduous journeys for many of them walking um, tens or even hundreds of miles from where they lived in the nation of Israel all the way to um, the city of Jerusalem. And so there was, it was a trepidatious kind of journey on foot through like rocky terrain. And so you start to see some of that imagery coming through here. And it had me thinking about like the handful of times where I've been traveling and I felt that certain bit of terror. Um, the first time I went on a mission trip with Christian surfers, we went to the Central American country of El Salvador and um, it's an emerging third world country. And so when you arrive there, it's just immense poverty and then incredibly wealthy people. And so we're driving on the road that kind of follows the coast and up the road, up the mountain, you would see these like, uh, look like prisons, uh, but they were not, they were gated communities. <laughs> they were uh, fenced with barbed wire and they had, some of them had like um, concrete block walls with like shards of broken glass bottles. And uh, that was to keep the poor people out. That's what that was for. Very different kind of world. Um, but the surfing was phenomenal. 
So it was a whole Jesus surfing thing. Sorry, it's a thing, whatever. And so we went to El Salvador and we went with this team of like 20 kids. And I was like in my late 20s at the time. And there was a bunch of teenage girls that were a part of our trip. And so we did this like orientation. We had like a whole meeting to talk about like how dangerous it was. And like, you could be trafficked and kidnapped and your stuff could be stolen. And so no jewelry and don't be flashy and got to go with the group and you got to travel and you got to stay inside the gate at night. And, and so like, it was like the first day and like six of these girls were like, we want ice cream, yay. And they'd been flirting with one of our translators. And um, so he was like, I'll take you to get ice cream. And so all the group leaders were gone. And here I am watching these six teenage girls leave the compound to go down to this little town in some impoverished little village uh, for ice cream. And so I had this like uh, kind of paternal feeling of protection. Like I got to do something. And I tried talking them out of it and they would not be talked out of it. And so they all piled into the driver's Hyundai Accent. Um, this is a very small car. And I'm like, well, I didn't know what to do. And so I'm like, I got I to gotta go. I got to go with them. And the only room for me was to uh, climb into the trunk. And so I was like, I'm feeling very brave at this point. And so I was like, I just got in the trunk. And, but when we were leaving the gated community, I had this moment in the trunk of sheer terror. Like, what did I just get myself into? And now instead of imagining me protecting these girls from being trafficked, now I'm imagining one of those giant buses with a hundred people hanging off of it, rear-ending us on the one road with me in the trunk of the Hyundai Accent. And um, I was fine, turns out. I have not done that since. But. And there was no adult female to talk any of us out of this whole venture. So, if only. <clears throat> but it was the moment where I'd experienced um, like fear while traveling. And so some people experience that all the time. You're regular people. And then people like us, we don't experience it all the time. But this is the experience of the Israelites as they're considering their journey from, um, let's say, different regions like Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem, where they're going to be on foot with wealth uh, and easy pickings for robbers and sleeping outdoors multiple nights You've got, you've got travel and you could be injured. And if you break an ankle halfway to Jerusalem, like you're in trouble. Now you're depending on people you don't know and places you don't know. And so it's, it's, a, it's a whole treacherous thing. And so this Psalm takes us into that experience and then directs our attention first to the mountains and then to our maker. Look at verses one and two. I lift up my eyes to the mountains or the hills. Where does my help come from? And so here's this first person question. There's this an evaluation about when I'm looking at a situation of treachery, what is the source of my help? Now, commentators will disagree about what the looking to the mountains means. Some will say, I'm looking to the hills, and that is where the gods are worshipped, where the high places are, where I'm tempted to look and pray for protection. Some people are saying, no, 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 it's not that. It's I look to the hills, and this is the place of uncertainty where there could be attack. And so there's a vigilance about danger. And others would say, like, I look to the hills and they remind me of the grandeur of God and his creative power. And so they remind me um, that God is real and God is true and God is with me. Now, all three of those things could be true for different people, couldn't they? So the ambiguity there, I think, is purposeful. But the question here is a bit of a self-diagnosis. When I'm in trouble, who do I look to? And this is the essence of faith, is it not? When I'm in a situation outside of my control, what am I going to lean back on to trust in? For some of us, we instantly go to self. I got to have a plan. I got to have, I got to have my weapon. I've got to have some extra money. I've got to have contingency upon contingency. And so we go, I am the one. And this is typical of males and typical of patriarchal males who feel the need to protect all of the people in their vicinity. Can someone say amen? 
not, not completely stereotyped, but for the most part. Some of us immediately look to a spouse or parents or the government, God forbid. Where does my help come from? The answer ought to be, my help comes from the Lord. The covenant name of God, Yahweh, the one who chose me and forgave me and saved me and walks with me and always watches over me, that's where my help comes from. So verses one and two direct us to faith and they build, somebody say my sermon title, God's got me. You're gonna leave today, God's got me. That's all you need to remember. If you don't remember anything else, God's got me. That's the Jesse standard version of Psalm 121. God's got me. But he directs our attention to faith. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Listen, we still do this very thing. In various different ways, we go into a situation where we feel vulnerable or unprotected or in danger. We size up the situation. We look at the mountains. We make a plan, but we trust in something or someone. And what the psalmist is saying and what I am saying to you and what God is saying to you is, don't look to the mountains, look to the maker. Listen, he made all of this. This is his earth. He made you. He made them. He made this. And he is the Lord. And so for God to have this experience, if God's got me, starts with faith, faith, faith. And faith has got to always give way to feet. Somebody say feet. I spent the whole first service without any shoes on because I just baptized people and I forgot to put them back on. Not that flip-flops are that impressive as footwear. But when I think about feet, listen, verse three, he will not let your foot slip. And this is an analogy, okay? This is an actual thing. How many of you guys have ever turned an ankle? You ever take that one bad step? Isn't it amazing that moment of regret that happens right after you're like, so stupid. And now I've got weeks of limping. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I burned myself last week after church on Sunday. Same thing. You're like, I grabbed something hot. I'm an idiot. And now I've got burned fingers, you know? We do this thing, but it's so unexpected. You're just moving along, sometimes too quickly, and then bam! And here is this analogy where the psalmist is saying, here's what God, God's going to take care of, your steps. And so as your faith moves your feet, you're going to be venturing into things where there are are potential dangers, where there are pitfalls, where there are opportunities for you to suffer harm, but you're walking with God. He who watches over you will not slumber. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You know, we say this to each other all the time. Watch your step. Watch your step. Especially if it's at your house, you got that one step that everybody catches their toes on or it's a little bit higher, a little bit longer. Watch your step. Paint it orange. Watch your step. Watch your step. Even in the baptisms right here. Watch your step. It's a little slick. Getting in. Watch your step. Do you know that our God 24-7, 365 is watching your step? Your every step. This is why we don't have to be paralyzed by fear. God's got me. And so we believe and then we move. There is a picture of purpose, of movement, of God fulfilling what he wants to get done. He will not fulfill his purposes through people who are unwilling to get off the couch. Do you know that? He needs us to trust him. He needs us to know that he's got us and he needs us to move, move. Psalm 94 says it this way, verse 16. Who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? Where, where's my divine bodyguard? 
Verse 17. If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence, that is death. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. I love the connection here between the fact that God's not sleeping and when we are stressed out or worried about our proverbial foot slipping. Because isn't it amazing how anxiety immediately affects our sleep as people? I know there's different kinds of us. Some of you toss and turn for hours before you can finally fall asleep and you are plagued by the thoughts and the concerns and the worries of tomorrow. I know who you are. There's a lot of you. I'm married to one. Um, I have got this supernatural ability to fall asleep anywhere at any time with no notice in less than three minutes. Every bus ride, every airplane, I could fall asleep on this stage while you're watching. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. We may test that out, actually, in third service. Like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's beautiful for me. It's a little annoying to my wife, to be honest. But I will wake up from a dead sleep after about five hours, two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning, and my brain instantly turns on, and it never turns on to nice things. It turns on to the worst, scariest, unknown fear right there at that spot, and it just keeps me awake. You guys, anybody else like me? You experience that? Isn't that the worst? And then you're like, I'm going to be up a long time today. That's the feeling. And here, the psalmist is saying, listen, you are going to believe God. You're going to know him as your helper. You know him as Lord. He's, he's the one who's got you. And he's going to be the one to protect your feet. Now, you're going to take these steps. But listen, you can rest because he never will. You can sleep because he doesn't sleep or slumber. He never, he never gives up on the job. He never takes a break. He never stops paying attention. It doesn't matter how bad things get. I love the perspective of Habakkuk and the common English version, chapter three and verse 17. Fig trees may no longer bloom. Vineyards produce or vineyards produce grapes. Olive trees may be fruitless and harvest time a failure. This is a way of saying my 401k, you know, like the economy, terrible interest rates up, purchase orders down. Everything's bad but I will still celebrate because the Lord God is my savior. The Lord gives me strength. Look what he does to my feet. He makes my feet as sure as those of a deer and he helps me to stand on the mountains. Doesn't matter what you face. Doesn't matter how difficult it is. If the Lord is your helper, he will keep your foot from slipping. No sleeping for God. It's funny, this is contrasted. Uh, Elijah the prophet got this. We were reading through the Old Testament and we got through 1 Kings 18. And I love, I told you last week, if you were here, that there's lots of funny parts in the Bible. But if you don't know they're funny, you'll read past them and they won't be funny because you didn't know they were funny and you didn't read them funny. But this is one of those funny parts too, in 1 Kings 18. Elijah and the prophets of Baal are dueling, you know, on Mount Carmel. And so they dig their trenches and they set their wood and they put their oxen as sacrifice and they douse them with water and they're going to call down fire from heaven. And Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, you go first. And so they start crying out, calling out all morning, dancing around, cutting themselves. But oh, Baal, oh, Baal, oh, Baal. And I love how Elijah comes in and just starts talking smack. Verse 27, at noon, after hours of this, Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud for he is a God. He is either musing or he is relieving himself. Or, 
or he is on a journey. Maybe he's not home right now. Or perhaps he is asleep and must be wakened. Maybe you should shout louder and wiggle the door handle. You see how funny this is? He's saying, there's no bail. No one heard anything because there is no God. And then, of course, Elijah calls down with one prayer. Fire from heaven burns up the offering, burns up the wood, dries up every ounce of water. God demonstrates his power. This is, who, this is who's got us. God's got us. And so he's calling you to get up and walk with your watcher. Let him do the watching and you do the walking. Amen? So faith, feet. And I just love what happens next because it goes from faith to feet to feelings. Sometimes we get this idea about faith that it, you never feel it. Sometimes you get this idea about faith is that God said it, so you do it, even though you never feel it, and it's always hard, and it's always empty, and then you just look back retrospectively and go, look at all the ways God did a thing, but then in the future you go, who knows, and so I'm just going to be faithful, and you kind of white-knuckle your way through this Christian life. But that isn't actually the way things work. That's not the way God has set it up. Yes, he wants you to receive his revelation and receive it by faith. Yes, absolutely, 100%. He gives all the grace, but you got to receive it by faith. Amen? And then that faith's got to actually move your feet. You got to do something different. He says it, you do it. It's called obedience. And that's where you start to see the action. Yes, it's going to be scary. Yes, there's going to be unknowns. But he says, watch it. I'm going to watch you. You watch, you watch what I say. I'll watch where you go. See how this works? But then he also wants us to come to experience his nearness and his power and his presence to re relieve us of the anxiety that we experience on a daily basis. Has any, have any of you already experienced this? I think too many people don't experience this. Why I'm making a big deal about it. Look at verses five and six. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. In the Hebrew, that word shade is also shadow. It's one of the ways God's saying, you wanna know how close to you I'm gonna be? It's like your shadow. Everywhere you go, there your shadow is. None of you are Peter Pan, right? None of you are getting free from your shadow. Here's how close God is, always watching over you, like your shadow, he's that connected to you. But it's translated here, shade, on purpose, because there's a picture here of the experience, the tangible, physical sensation of moving from direct sunlight and into the shade. And we live in central Florida, where there is a 15 to sometimes 20 degree differential between full sun and shade. So you guys know what I'm talking about, right? That's why all of our outdoor events, we have tents for you, right? Because you're standing in the sun, and it's cooking down on you, and you are feeling the heat, and you go, whoo, let me step into the shade. And you step into the shade, ah. <sighs> And then that nice little breeze blows across your perspiration-covered forehead. Mmm, delightful. <laughs> and this picture here, God's going, I want you to feel it. I want you to know me in, in a way where you believe me and you followed me, but you're experiencing this peace in the middle of the uncertainty. You're feeling watched over, cared for. There is a sun, but you've just moved into the shade of my presence and you're feeling the relief. The, the circumstances are not clear. The danger is not gone. The future is not foretold, but you are experiencing my nearness. And so the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. This is just a euphemistic way of saying the visible perils that you're afraid of and those invisible perils. 
Obviously, there's the things that happen in the day. There's the news that comes your way. There's the market changes that happen. There's the phone calls and the doctor visits. And then there's the stuff at night, the terrors and the fear and the unforeseen and the break-ins and the attacks. And I always tell the kids, nothing good ever happens after 11. So no, you can't go. <laughs> right? It's when all the crazy people come out. It's when all the bad stuff happens. God says, listen, it doesn't matter where you are, what's going on. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Julian asked me the other day, he's really into superlatives, by the way. What's the fastest car? What's the tallest skyscraper? What's the deepest well? He asked me all these questions. I'm asking, I'm, hey Siri, what's the deepest well? 4,000 feet, bud. 4,000 feet is the deepest well. Nine inches wide. Wow, that's deep. Yep, yep, that's deep. Moving on. You know, this is my life. He says to me the other day, Dad, what's the darkest of night? So I'm trying to interpret, six-year-old boy. The darkest of night. Okay, what are you asking here? And then, you know, he sees the sun's going down while he's getting to bed. And then sometimes you wake up in the night and it's very dark. And then you wake up in the morning and a little light again. And so in his mind, it gets darker, 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 lighter, 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 lighter. Oh, it makes sense. Okay, but it doesn't actually work like that. So now I have to explain the whole moon phase thing to him. It's a whole, I'm like, okay, bud, the question you're asking, it's a great question. Not a great answer. Okay, so we have to deal with ambient light and new moon and moon rise. And so... It's not really an hour of the time. It's like different times of the year. And so I explain all this to him and he's like, hmm, cool. <laughs> but sometimes we can be in 12 noon and walking through the darkest of night. Because sometimes the darkest of night is right in here. And we need to know that we can trust in the God who loves us, made us, and died to redeem us. That he's walking through us in every bit of every circumstance, no matter how difficult that he will not let our foot be slipped and that there is no terror on the inside or on the outside that will befall us because he is with you. God's got me, amen? Lastly, our faith moves our feet. Our feet inevitably brings us to a place where our feelings are engaged and we encounter God and what we're walking through. And the psalmist ends Psalm 121 with a glimpse of the future, verses seven and eight. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. I love this. I love that the tense moves to the future tense. Here's the things the Lord will do, because in order for us to trust God, we got to have some promises. Amen? Listen, God can do anything he wants, and that's a little scary, isn't it? You ever been surprised by God? You ever had God do a thing he had never done before? He never said he was going to do, but he's God, so he can do whatever he wants, however he wants. You ever been surprised by God? Not yet? Stick around. <laughs> what we need in order to have firm ground under our feet is to be able to stand on the promises of God. And so when he says, the Lord will, pay attention. The Lord will keep you from all harm. And I got to be honest, when I read verse seven, the Lord will keep you from all harm? Really? Because I was alive yesterday and harm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You're like, all harm? You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. The Lord will keep you from all harm. What can that mean? He will watch over your life. What does he mean, your life? One of the commentators that I read 
on this passage was talking about Jesus as an example of the Christian life, right? So Jesus was the faithful son. He obeyed God in everything. He lived a life just like us. He was born physically. He experienced all the things we experienced, the death of his earthly father, suffering, pain, hard work, temptation, betrayal, all the categories of things that humans experience. God with us, Jesus, the eternal son of God, also experienced. Isn't that amazing? Hebrews says that we have a high priest who's not unable to sympathize with us because he knows everything that we've been through. And so he was talking about what would this have meant to Jesus? Because ultimately Jesus was betrayed and crucified and died. How does that sound like keeping you from all harm, right? And here's what he writes. Jesus faced dangers and trials along the lonely path that he trod. He walked the path of obedience through a very barren landscape keeping his eyes fixed on the Jerusalem above. As Jesus journeyed, his father cared for him, though not in such a way that he escaped mockery, abuse, and even death. Listen to this. The father's good plans for the son were in no way undermined by the forces of evil or the schemes of man. Jesus' life was not destroyed by the grave. The father accomplished his will and kept his son's life safe, even as he went down into death and rose again. Psalm 121 is not a promise to escape suffering or death, but it is a promise that the Lord will carry us through those things in such a way that we will be fundamentally unharmed and his plans and purposes for us will not be undone. Do you know that? There is no harm that will befall you that will offset God's plans and purposes for your life. And somehow, miraculously, the Lord of heaven and earth is able to take the worst of what humanity can throw at you and the most treacherous of what the enemy of our souls can bring on you and somehow use it for good. That's who's got you back. God's got you. Listen, listen, the, the enemy, the enemy is so committed to your harm. He wants you dead. He wants you disconnected from God through unbelief and then dead. So you're dead forever. That's what he's after. And you will not experience that harm because the Lord will keep your life. Amen? This is the promise, and you gotta be able to stand on these promises. Hmm. So here's my conclusion. Let me ask you this. Have you felt helpless before? Have you had the feeling of helplessness? If you're still awake, you should be saying yes. <laughs> you face a circumstance, and there's the wave of helplessness. <sighs> you open the letter. <sighs> You get the phone call, you, you break the ankle, you burn the hand, there's the feeling, helpless, right? Psalm 121 is an invitation for us to trade in our helplessness through faith in God, manifested and perfectly explained in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the victory of God on display, the love of God on display, the power of God for you on display. You put your trust in him, and then you take a step of faith, you do the things he says to do. He's keeping you, you keep his commandments. He's protecting you, you walk in his ways. And it will be scary, and it will, you will face opposition and adversity, 
but he's saying, I got you and I'm not gonna let you go. And even in the middle of the struggle, I'm gonna allow you to experience my presence, my peace, my joy, my love right through it. And then I'm gonna bring you through it in a way that's gonna deliver you from all harm and that's gonna protect your life long into the future from this time and forevermore. And so this is what Psalm 121 is inviting you to experience, to receive by faith, feet, feelings, future. You see it? And so you can trade in your helplessness right now. And here's what you're going to receive in, in exchange. Hunger. Hunger. Because when you come to know God this way, this much, when God meets you in your circumstance and you experience the peace that is beyond understanding, and when you watch him bring you through what you thought would certainly destroy you and you come out on the other side bigger, stronger, and blessed, you go, God, I want more of that. God, I want more. I want more of what you're doing. I want my faith to be bigger. I want my eyes on you to, to see more. I want to experience more. I want to feel it more. I want to have more power. I want to have more boldness. I want to be quicker to run to you. I want, to, I want more, 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 more. And here's the words of Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Mary's song, she said, he sends the hungry away with good things. And so, isn't it a gift? God's, God's got a gift for you today. Here's the gift. Bring me all your feelings of helplessness, and I'm gonna give you something so delicious that all you're gonna want is more and more and more. And when you come back for more, I'm gonna fill you again and again and again from this time and forevermore. Amen. Lord, God, I pray for us as we close uh, that you would help this to become true. And that only happens through faith. And even for those who are present in the room who've never responded to your offer of salvation through faith in Jesus, who've never relinquished the control of their own life, the lordship of their own life, acknowledging their sin and their need for your forgiveness. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would start right there for whoever that is. Lord, that there would be an overwhelming awareness of need for you and an overwhelming confidence that you are real and true and good and loving, and you want every single person to know you this way. God, we thank you for your miraculous story of redemption, for moving in history by sending Jesus into this world as a baby, him living a whole life and, and dying in our place rising victorious over death in the grave and ascending to reign from heaven's throne. God, thank you that this is the reality that we live in. And when we receive that good news by faith and we turn to you in repentance, Lord, you make us yours and you send your Holy Spirit into us. You cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You join us with Jesus forever. And Lord, for the rest of us who've already experienced this miracle, Lord, we just want more of you. We wanna trust you more, we want our faith to grow. God, we wanna walk in what we believe. We want our feet to move. God, we wanna, we wanna experience more of your nearness and power by your spirit. We want, we want it to be real to us, even in the midst of the trial. And we wanna just live boldly into the future, knowing that you have got us no matter what we face. And so I just pray, Lord, as we respond that uh, your Holy Spirit would just move in this place. God, that you would provoke those 
who have yet to relinquish that control, that they would turn their lives over to you in this moment. And I pray, God, that you would just comfort, strengthen, and empower with supernatural peace those who are looking to you hungry. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand.